Hello, this is Sailing Uncovered. I'm Alec Wilkinson and we're coming to you from the shores of Fukuoka in Japan. And if you'd asked me to describe a typical Japanese scene before I came, well, it would look pretty much like what I'm staring at right now. Still waters, distant forested islands. It is truly beautiful and it's called Hakata Bay. Well, Land Rover BAR have just won the America's Cup World Series here. And we'll hear from their skipper, Sir Ben Ainsley, in a moment. Also coming up on the show, Jimmy Spithill, and we have news from the Vendée Globe. First, though, let's get our teeth into how things stand with the America's Cup and what can we expect in Bermuda in June 2017. Well, let's get the forthright views of Kenny Reid, a man who's competed in three America's Cups and is now president of North Sales. We've just watched Sir Ben Ainsley and his Land Rover BAR team finally seal the World Series. It's, it's been in the offing a while now. Um, are you surprised by how dominant they were? Ben and Dean Barker from uh, SoftBank Team Japan were the only two skippers that actually skippered their boats through the, all, all, nine, uh, all nine of the regattas what, because we had injuries, we had teams going off to Olympics, uh, skippers going off to Olympics. So, so uh, you know, Japan was kind of one of these up and comings, and Ben is Ben. You know, I mean, the the guy, you <laughs> can't you can't knock his track record. That, that that is for sure. So I don't think anybody's shocked. There were times, weren't there, when they were way down the fleet in races, and you thought, well, that's their race over. And somehow they always pulled something out of the bag. Uh, they were by far the 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 everybody has their bad starts. The starting the starting line in this type of format is. I wouldn't call it a crapshoot, but it's certainly it's certainly pretty hit or miss compared to the good old days. And uh, so you're going to have your races that you're pretty far back in. By far, they were the team that could chomp back through the fleet. They they did a really nice job, especially at that first gate, of getting out of sequence with the whole fleet. There's how many times did we see them in fifth or sixth place? The whole fleet a quarter of the way up the beat going one way and there they are going the other way they got out of sequence better than anybody and it certainly uh it didn't it, it did them justice that's for sure but here's the thing we now go uh, to bermuda and all the teams that aren't there already including land rover bar will be moving to bermuda imminently um new boats new completely new design new ways of sailing them so can anything that they've achieved in the World Series actually be transferred uh, in, in, into the, the regatta itself in Bermuda in, in May and June 2017? Well, to, to be quite frank, I think marketing, uh, marketing of the cup, marketing of your team, it helps with fundraising, certainly stretching the America's Cup out a year and a half, essentially. But with regard to sailing these boats, I, I'd love to say it's crucial, but Unfortunately, the, these boats are so different compared to what we've done here. Yeah, maybe for Team France, uh, uh, especially maybe Japan, um, getting a whole new program together and learning how to foil. That for sure, that can't hurt. Every time you go out sailing and you're foiling, it can't hurt. But these are these are physical boats in completely different ways than these new 50-footers are going to be, and it's just different. It's a different. It's a, almost a different sport. Fast boat is going to win the America's Cup just like it always has. And at this stage, we don't know who's got the fastest boat. Not only that, but it's really unique in this cup sequence is that they're building their final dagger board. Remember, all they can change on these 50s, they're one design platforms, and then they have 
non one design foils and uh, rig settings. So it's the same. They have the same wing. They have exact north. We've made all the jibs, so all the jibs are identical for every single boat. That's the company you work for. That happens to be the company <laughs> I work for, and uh, and and so it's how they control the wing and what those foil shapes look like. Those are the two variables in, on on these projects, and they're building their underwater foils now for the cup, which is shocking to me. They, in essence, you can make a case the cup's over. The fastest boat has already been designed, and it's not even in the water yet. But it's already been designed, and it's, it's you know, it's, it's all but lift the lift the cup up over your head for somebody right now. I'll tell you what I found interesting. I was at a, a press conference yesterday, um, held by um, Airbus, and they've been working with some of the teams to try and sort out the aerodynamics, especially uh, because they were saying, you know, we're flying now. So the drag in the water is no longer as important as it used to be. It's all about the aerodynamics, and they're talking about putting the, the sailors inside, down in the hulls, and, and maybe even grinding with their feet. I'm going to date myself, but there was one 12-meter way back when that, uh, that they ground with their feet. It was Severia. It was uh, Pele Pedersen's uh, Swedish program i believe it was in 1980 and yes i am fully dating myself and <laughs> they they ground down below with their feet i don't think it was super successful they also had a tiller on a 12 meter which was a bit which was pretty rare um listen we we don't know nobody knows yet uh the 45s everybody come on had. tell us how you how do you know <laughs> about below deck on that boat oh i it was i was in high school that's dating and and i my friends and i um it was it was long before compounds right and even fences and my friends and i made a uh we're, we're looking out at a race village that is surrounded by fencing by and control and security <laughs> aren't we well there's no security back then especially in newport rhode island so we made a pact that we would uh physically drink a beer down below in every single 12 meter in newport that summer the summer of 1980 of which we did we're very proud <laughs> don't so don't arrest me i can't i can't be arrested now Sounds like a rock song, the summer of 1980. Um, so potentially, are we going to see uh, are we going to see America's Cup teams recruiting, I don't know, cyclists from the Tour de France for the for their light bodies but powerful thighs? That well, that is 100% the case. Uh, I think you'll see. Of, of I believe there's six people on board. At least two of the six on most boats will be athletes from other sports, uh, triathletes, cyclists, rowers. Uh, of course, we had we had a very famous Kiwi rower uh, for, with Team New Zealand, um, Rob Waddell, last last time around. Um, so that that trend will only, uh, yeah, it'll only get bigger. Uh, it's not about sailing so much anymore. It's grinding and grinding hydraulic power, hydraulic pressure, turning that into power, and that's how they're moving these boats around the race course. And, and that is the only power on board, isn't it? There's no batteries. There's no engines. Yeah. The, and now a lot of their test boats, their 45 footers, they've actually put batteries in because they're burning through people so fast they can't get an effective test day in without just frying the whole crew. So we're, we're going to see rotation, I think, too. Racing two races a day for for most uh, most days, and we're going to see more rotation than any cup cycle has ever seen because you're literally going to be spent. They're going to be taking these guys and working them to a point where they are shot, and and then flick them, get a couple more in here, off we go. <laughs> now, as an American, 
Why, why are there so few Americans in the American team, in the defenders of the America's Cup? Well, it, it, to make a very long story slightly short, uh, I think the pathway for, towards professional sailing in, uh, in, take Australia, New Zealand, England, France, the kind of the big four, uh, is far clearer for any young kid coming out of high school or college. Very m much, much clearer. Uh, as far as the United States, it's, you know, uh, I, I, I watch the path. I watch uh, kids from the age of 20 to 35, 20 to 40, who come out of school, they great college sailors, and then come out of school and, and I mean, they're just on to their professional lives. So th that path has not... It, and also, I think owners in the United States are just less apt to employ professional sailors. Therefore, there are far fewer jobs, there are far fewer opportunities. So, uh, I mean, just look at the amount of Aussies in this regatta, you know, clearly there's very there's very understanding paths for young kids coming out of school and how many kids in high school in Australia say I want to be a pro, pro sailor I, I don't know of maybe a handful in the United States that are saying I want to be a pro sailor so just totally different environment um, and just to finish off Bermuda looking ahead to that I'm not going to ask you for predictions because I think it's clear that no one can predict uh, at this point but um, you know you've uh, can I can I describe you as a veteran sailor? <laughs> no, I tell you what. Let's describe you as a legend. That's no, a bit. No, no, no. <laughs> I think oh, you can just say old. Old is fine. <laughs> well, yeah. however you want to be described. You've seen quite a bit in I've your seen, career, yeah. um, but I still see you fired up and excited about Bermuda. Whereas some of the more traditionalists, uh, you know, say, well, that's not sailing. That's you know, why don't they just go and get in a jet plane or a car? I uh, listen. There's two, there's two trains of thought here, and one of them is this isn't match racing, first of all. Uh, I, think, I think halfway, if I remember correctly, halfway through the last cup, we saw more passes than any other cup in history between those two boats. So I think this is absolutely match racing. This is, that is a myth that this isn't match racing. Now, is this, quote, proper sailing now that 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 takes on a whole nother you know could you do the same type of an event with these new kind of foiling 60-foot monohulls you know with sails and boat handling and crew errors and things like that that that's the that's the part that I think is slightly debatable we're gonna have no code zeros on these boats down there so it'll just be a jib and a wing going upwind and downwind there's really no differentiation at this stage between upwind and downwind it's foil upwind foil downwind foil upwind foil downwind finish you know, is is the sailing world going to love the fact that that the only crew handling is just sitting there grinding on a on a coffee grinder and pumping hydraulic fluid? These are all questions that are going to be answered. That history is going to answer. That I I am just a pundit at this stage, and I'm just going to sit back and enjoy it, and enjoy the ride, and uh, along with everybody else. Kenny, thanks very much. That's your views of Bermuda. Let's get some of the skippers' views, starting with Ben Ainsley. Bermuda next year, I think this has showcased just how tight it's going to be, the level of competition, the skill set of the sailors, and then we move into our own race boats, our own design for the Cup next summer, and that's going to be fascinating for all the fans to see just who's got an edge in certain conditions, how that plays out, so it's going to be a real trade-off between design, performance and, and sailing skill. Go to Bermuda with the two bonus points from winning the series, how important are they? 
I think the bonus points are, you know, they will be a factor uh, next year. It's 20% of the points that are on offer in the qualifying series, so uh, it's definitely worth having them. Uh, but also, uh, as I said earlier, for a new organisation like ours, we need to show that we can perform at this highest level for our for our own team, uh, for our partners, our, our supporters, um, to show that we can uh, we have a team with the capability to win the America's Cup, and I think we've shown that. Oh, Jimmy Spithill. Just looking ahead to Bermuda, it's, it's starting from scratch now. You guys have been out there for some time, but um, you know, what, what's the program from now on? Yeah, well, now we move on to the serious end of business. You know, I mean, uh, obviously, everyone's going to remember the America's Cup, and that's the one we've been working towards, and that's the one you know right now we've really got to focus on. We've been doing a lot of work in Bermuda. You know, had a lot of great training and testing with Japan and Artemis, and we've got a very, uh, very extensive development program to go. So. Yeah, the guys are working extremely hard the whole time we've been here racing. Our, uh, you know, our, our shore team and construction engineering team back in Bermuda have been working very hard. So, yep, we'll go back. We'll put the hammer down and, uh, yeah, really trying to get some, get some days under our belt as, we, you know, we prepare for the for the qualifying series. Peter Burley, yep. you will start from scratch now. Yeah, exactly. Obviously, a couple of bonus points out there, but, you know, for us, um, yeah, we'll firmly believe since the beginning of this event that whoever's got the fastest 50 is going to win win the Challenger Series and, and win the Cup so you know, for ourselves it's now back home and into our development program over the summer and uh, we've uh, got, a, got a bit of work to do to catch up the, the Oracle boys that have done a, a lot of yachting uh, with, the, with the SoftBank guys but uh, we believe uh, we're in a pretty good space to, to make some pretty good gains over the summer uh, and yeah really looking forward to you know doing, getting into that uh, when we get home Emirates Team New Zealand's Peter Burling there, before him the defending skipper Jimmy Spittle of Oracle Team USA. Now, some big news about the London Boat Show coming up, so stay with us. First though, the Brits have a cunning plan to get one over the French at their own game. The two nations have always been rivals at sea of course, and now there's a project called Vendée 2020 Vision that aims to find a British sailor who can win the French round-the-world race, the Vendée Globe, something that's never been done before, although Alex Thompson is currently doing his best. Fingers crossed, I just haven't given him the commentator's curse. For the non-Brits listening, this could be an idea that you set up in your own country, or maybe you already have, in which case, let us know, get in touch via our Sailing Uncovered Facebook page. All right, well, let's get more on this now from Simon Clay, who heads up the project. Simon, tell us about Vendée 2020 Vision. What is it? Vendée 2020 Vision um, has been formed really um, as a result of um, you know, us having a strong um, history within solo ocean racing, um, pioneers of the sport, um, with Robin Knox Johnston being the first to sail solo and non-stop around the world. Um, and since then, we've had legends such as uh, Ellen MacArthur um, and uh, more recently, Mike Golding and Dee Kafari. Um, and really what we've seen is um, over, over recent years, um, less participation by British solo sailors in the Bombay Globe and the associated events. Um, and, and that's not because we don't have the talent, but um, it's because it's increasingly hard to, uh, to find commercial partners in the sport um, and within the discipline. And um, One Day 2020 Vision has, has really come out of a long-term relationship with Artemis Investment Management over the last 10 years, um, who have invested uh, significantly in, in the sport and significantly in um, our youth talent to uh, uncover 
um, British solo sailing talent that can go forward um, to um, compete against the French, who uh, have won every edition um, of the Vendée Globe up until now, and we hope that Alex, Alex, Alex puts that right. Yeah, what, what's the plan? How are you going to get British sailors up to that level to compete? Well, I think a lot of the work has um, has been started with uh, with the academy um, that was so successful in bringing um, young sailors, solo, aspiring solo sailors, um, into the sport and at a level in the Figaro that the French have historically used as as the grounding for their talent to come through and then progress to Open 60s. And we've been doing that um, with the academy, um, and now we have a, a good base basis with sailors that have had that grounding to allow them to step up onto an Open 60 that uh, is Artemis Investment Management's Open 60 um, and to uh, be able to uh, give them that experience on a larger boat and that's what we've done this year with 10 of the sailors that have graduated from the academy. Okay, we've got a bit of a bad connection but we can carry on because uh, I can understand what you're saying. So um, you've got a, a list of 10 um, who are obviously already very good sailors um, and then what's the plan? You've obviously got to whittle them down somehow. It's, it's, it's a bit of a sort of, I don't know, Britain's Got Talent or X Factor. It is a bit. Um, we have done our evaluation this year and we, we've got um, six very strong contenders that we believe have potential to go forward to the Vendée and be competitive. Give us some names. Who, who's in the pot at the moment? So we've been working with um, Sam Matson and Will Harris, um, Sam Goodchild, um, Lizzie Foreman, uh, Andrew Baker, um, and um, Henry Bombay, um, you know, all talented sailors, um, and, and, and still uh, four out of those that we're, that we're not taking forward. We, we, we aren't working with them actively in the training side of things, but commercially um, we're still supporting their efforts. Um, and that's an important point to make because um, the commercial side is, is, is the most difficult and, and the future of their careers and solo ocean racing is dependent on the commercial side being successful and uh, us proving that the returns that uh, a sponsor can get from the sport um, stack up um, and presenting that in a way that means that um, that brands feel comfortable you know to come on board with with the sailors um, okay much simon good luck with the project we'll see you and some of those future stars you've mentioned in January, because it is time for the big breaking news that Sailing Uncovered Live will be back at the London Boat Show in January. We'll be bringing some of your favourite names from the podcast, plus plenty more of the sport's biggest names, onto the stage at XL London, and we'll officially announce the lineup in our special podcast next week. Meantime, I've got two tickets up for grabs there for any of the days of the show between the 6th and the 16th of January 2017. Um, and the good thing about these tickets, if as an adult, you can bring a child under 15 for free. So effectively, it's two tickets, but you can get a family of four in with them. Um, so how do you win? Well, you go to the Sailing Uncovered Facebook page and like us. And I'll give you a little insider's tip as well. If you subscribe to our podcast, you'll have double the chance of winning because that's the way we make the lists. The names will go into one big list from both platforms. So get liking, get subscribing, and we'll contact the winners directly. If you're not one of the lucky ones, 
then make sure you tune in to our London Bow Show preview next week and there'll be another chance to win. Good luck everyone and it's bye for now.